Welcome to episode 13 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for their support of the podcast and, of course, the support of the social media pages. It's wonderful to see that some pictures, when they do go up, bring out beautiful and memorable comments of of the past and uh, people's memories, and they get to reminisce. Back to... Episode 13 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. This episode's interviewee had a great career in terms of his playing and committee involvement at Fig Tree Soccer Club, a club where playing in September was the norm. As he stayed at Fig Tree his whole career, apart from a brief period in 1986, Ian Withridge's interview is unique, as he describes his own career along with the journey of Fig Tree Soccer Club at the same time. Ian is a generous and humble man who gave me so much information regarding his time at Fig Tree. He is a knowledgeable man in general, and in the interviewing process, it was apparent in his answers that he was a team and club person, something I admire. Again, this interview is a brief but great account of Fig Tree Soccer Club, junior and senior clubs in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s and 1990s. I thank Ian again publicly for his time and help. Enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in Unandera and I'm here with Ian Witheridge. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks Travis, it's, um, yeah, it's a pleasure. pleasure to join you. This this um, podcast, I guess, came about um, in terms of yourself being generous with with a lot of uh, fig tree material that you uh, did have and have put together with a number of other people. Um, your apart from maybe a pre season, your whole career was at fig tree. Correct. Um, you started in in '69 at at the fig tree junior club. Yep, um, it started in uh, under eight. So that was my first year. Yep. And um, we had some early success that year. Um, won the grand final, I think it was, in a, in a reap, in a extra time. So, um, yeah, so it's good to have the early taste of success and play with some great fellows who um, I actually ended up playing most of my career with. And in the uh, Fig Tree Files book that you put together with other um, players and committee members and, and other people affiliated with the club, um, the Fig Tree Soccer Club was uh, conceived in 1964 by three families um, residing in Carbo Street, Fig Tree, and that was Mr George Smith, Mr Steve Johansson and Mr Bob Akers. Um, and that club came together because there was obviously um, a need um, for kids in the area to play soccer. And I guess in that boom time of the 50s, early 60s, where a lot of our junior clubs came about, uh, Fig Tree was no different. Um, what were your initial thoughts there of, of playing with victory in those initial juniors years? Because you played from 69 to 77. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a different time. It was um, playing, playing, I guess, football juniors those days was, a, was like an all-day all event. Um, you get up in the morning, put your boots on, and um, get those days, you know, you go down to the, go down the ground and um, get a lift to the game. There's none of those parents dropping you off. Yep. You know, and, and taking you there. Um, but of course it was a different time. Bigger families and fathers yep. working, you know, all for working class families. 
It, um, actually, the first challenge was getting to the ground a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> those days, dogs um, were never locked up. <laughs> they used to roam the streets and um, had to dodge past them first. But um, yeah, you'd get to the ground and you'd load uh, in the back of the uh, coach's car or one of the managers and off you go. I guess for you that um, first year as well, you had some plays in there that you'd play with the rest of your life. Yeah, correct. And um, uh, we had the likes of uh, Phil Brown and um, Phil was sort of at that age head and shoulders really above all the others. He was uh, quite a talent, was the, I guess, all his career really. And um, we had uh, Brian Downs and Brian was a, a very quick centre forward. Um, he went on to um, play with him in 84, I think, but he, he, he trialled obviously with Sunderland. Yeah. Ended up playing in the Midlands there over in um, England. And uh, he ended up um, moving down to Hobart and was involved in the Tasmanian uh, leagues, down, leagues there. down there. And actually uh, actually managed the uh, woodchopper down there. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's Brian, um, Daryl Burley, of course. Daryl yep. uh, actually, um, he actually played uh, goalkeepers in the early day. Uh, he was a goalkeeper. Uh, ended up playing their fullback. He, he played for um, Fig Tree for many years, had a time at... Uh, uh, Ferry Meadow. Um, yep. He also played for Illawarra, and um, look, he was, a, he was a very um, solid uh, left fullback, great left foot, um, always reliable, um, honest on and off the field. He was a really nice fellow, and um, him and Phil combined a great combination down the left hand side there for many years, and had quite a quite a great understanding. In terms of uh, the ground and and the and the club colours in those junior years, uh, what were they? Yeah, we were sort of red, red and black in those yep. days, and played down there, Harry Graham. Yep. Um, and um, roughly where the same main pitch is now. Exactly where the same main yep. pitch is there now. So um, yeah, and um, gets a lot of use to that ground. Um, so yeah, you know, you enjoy playing down there. You 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 don't fifty cents in the you sort of um, you take down the ground that you get your good lot of lollies and a soft drink and. Uh, you go home and um, probably come down the the afternoon for the for the seniors. And so before we do get into your, your senior career, um, sixty nine um, when you first started playing uh, the year after in nineteen seventy, um, there was a decision in that sixty nine year by the IDSA, the local association, that you uh, the senior clubs needed to affiliate with a junior body. And um, at the time, there wasn't a fig tree senior club, and it, it, it came about that there was an amalgamation between the North Wollongong Soccer Club and the Wollongong Legion Soccer Club, and some people from the juniors who had, I guess, older boys coming through. Um, through your history research, what are your memories or facts that you remember of getting of that? Yeah, well, um, I guess it was probably 1970 the senior team was formed. Um, and, and that was important, I guess, for the juniors to go through to. And, and much of the success we had in, in the 70s and 80s and 90s was um, on the foundation, I guess, of having a strong junior base come through. And, um, you know, as those guys I mentioned, there's others like um, uh, Jeff Fellows, he was actually yep. played a couple of years later. Um, he came through the, and we played to um, alongside each other in the seniors. Um, Sean Billington actually joined us in um, under 16s. Yep. Um, another great, one. Great goalkeeper. Great goalkeeper. Um, had uh, Mike McGuire was another one, so um, there's probably several of us that went through and played seniors. But um, sorry, back to that point. Um, yeah, in the early days of the uh, formation of the seniors, that there was a combination of you'll see the um, the senior senior body, the North Wollongong body was uh, actually AJ Club, 
yep. so Germania. Yep. So um, there's a strong German influence, yep. and, and that had a big impression in, in building the culture of the club because um, they brought the club very much together, very hospitable. Um, they um, would you know, just throw beer on the uh, case, get your case of beer, or put <laughs> 100 bucks on the bar or something, yep. and all the boys would get together after the game, and um, you know they would um, celebrate. So that be- they came very close knit, and you know had names like Freddie Pompey, Pompey, and um, um, we have um, Freddie Pompey, uh, Herbie Stilp was another one, yep. um, Werner Beringer. Um, so yeah, they, they were sort of they sort of uh, around the club and had influence on us well into the eighties. And so, from although you were just starting your junior career when the senior club first started, from all reports and facts that you've gathered since then, it, it was a a fairly good transition. It was. And they they had uh, very early success, I guess, and that was always, uh, I guess, a factor in our success was getting uh, and having early early success. And you know, the club went through three transitions really. There was those early seventies, and then the eighties, and then the late eighties and early nineties. But um, certainly, it was. I think um, nineteen seventy was uh, Paul Henry. I think was the first coach. He was only nineteen years old. Yeah, that was a bit of a bizarre one when I looked through some of the. Yeah. Uh, the fig tree file that you gave me that a, a 19 year old is coaching first grade and, and funnily enough his brother who had played a bit with South Coast United in the lower leagues uh, he was coaching his older brother yeah and um, then uh, I think in 72 they appointed um, a Wally Miller's captain coach and um, that was the first year actually they made to the grand final they were sort of labelled the Cinderella team of the district and um, I think they ended up winning the grand final 2-1 against Blamby there was a bit of controversy that year because it was a a round robin competition to decide the finals. Yeah, after I think for several years there was a the league season, uh, league league season home and away, and then there was a round robin to then um, see who got through to the grand final. And yeah. I think the game before um, um, from and I'd read it before, and it was in your uh, files as well that um, uh, Balambi and Figtree played each other in the last game and really um, played a dead rubber, so to speak, and. And um, Balambi could have gone harder and and maybe matched up against Coromel. Yeah, so um, yeah, just just get, goes and show you, doesn't? I guess uh, I imagine Victor would have taken a lot of um, inspiration out of that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they will take the Cinderella team, I think, of, of that year. Yeah, obviously, been only just just formed, just just um, relatively uh, just in, in that decade. And they had the likes of Jim Hurdley and Jim McCallum and uh, Paul Henry was there and. Kel Potter, of course, and Goals, who later had great success also with Fremantle. Yeah, as Dave, Dave Curley's mentioned before in one of the earlier podcasts, he uh, called Kel Potter a machine. Yeah, he was and, a great um, goalkeeper. An, yeah. an excellent goalkeeper. So for you um, and your friends playing in the the football junior soccer club, um, getting a senior club probably didn't mean much to you then, but up until you started playing seniors in 77, did you... Um, then go down and start watching the seniors on a Saturday afternoon sometimes? Yeah, certainly. I think uh, 75, I had a vivid memory of. It was um, Little Ball Boys that day. Yep. Um, and that was um, a game between uh, a local derby with Unidera. And Unidera oh, nice. was quite a good side in those days. And, they had uh, Gaffney, Dave Naylor in the team, and that's a few right. others. Yep. Casey De Bruyne was coach yep. and uh, playing. And um, that was, uh, I think, almost top of the table clash. And, uh, and um, it was one of the biggest crowds I think I've ever seen down there at uh, Harry Grant Park. You can get parking anywhere. And uh, I think on that day, Fictory ended up winning 2-0. Steve Sowery ended up getting two goals, and Steve Rawl set both those up. So, um, you know, it was things like that. You know, they were 
stuck uh, in your memory. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, young, very young fellow in your teenage years watching, you know, grown men. That was a seventies lot of facial yep. hair. Uh, <laughs> grown men playing a hard, fast brand of football. You know, direct footballs. Um, uh, you know, I really loved it era. So, in if we look just back before we start talking about your senior career, which ninety nine percent of it was at Fig Tree. What are your, the rest of your memories of, of your junior career up until you were there from 69 to 77 at Fig Tree Junior Soccer Club? Um, what are your memory, other memories of other games and, and other players and coaches that you're involved with? Yeah, well, the, um, I think we won the Premiership under eights and thirteens, and I think got beaten in the final 16. So we had sort of mixed success. Yep. And um, look, we played up against, uh, I think, Winona and Shaw Harbour were particularly strong clubs back in those days. And... Um, you know, we played against the likes of um, Ian Serson, who um, yep. we played against in, in our senior years. He was a great, great footballer uh, for both uh, Fern Hill and Boy. Um, Murray Brown, Ronnie Grogan, I think was there. Um, Peter Wilson, he was a goalkeeper. He yep. um, ended up playing for Sydney Olympic at a very young age. He was a great goalkeeper for Shaw Harbour. Um, Glenn Trigg, who ended up playing back to Fig Trigg. He was also on the representative side. I think it was Mark Sweeney was as well. And... Um, they were part of that representative side, and um, they were a great side. Um, but uh, yeah, with members of I guess the under 16s final, uh, Sean Billington joined us that year. Yep. We discussed Sean was um, uh, a fantastic goalkeeper, and on his day he'll be a match winner. You know, um, he actually only started playing soccer at 16. Really? Um, and at the goalkeeper at 16, um, he's obviously goalkeeping his DNA. His father yep. Wolf, obviously playing for South Coast United. Yeah, big a big name, and I think even Wilf uh, might have played with Blackburn in his in his earlier days professionally in England. Yeah, and uh, Sean's son um, is also a goalkeeper, so he's just going oh, through the ranks fantastic. now. So um, Rory, so um, hopefully he does well. But um, yeah, now on his day, Sean was a match winner. So um, you know, we we obviously played together in seniors, and he went through and played for the Wolves as well, and um, you know won as many games. Um, yeah, so it's you know it's it playing against those guys. I guess I have a memory also because you know I mentioned Phil before he went up playing I guess seven hundred games for the club. Yeah, you know, one club player. Huge, huge achievement. People yeah. shouldn't underestimate um, that many games for sort of the one entity. I guess that's including juniors and senior games. That's yeah. a tremendous effort. Yeah, and um, look, he was, he was a special talent. He was just you know at that age sometimes those really good good kids are just head and shoulders above the others, and he was, he was one of those, and. Um, yeah, I remember he'd even, um, I think it was his father's father's team, a couple of grades up, and um, he'd Phil would play for us in the morning, yep. and his father had played for his side in the afternoon. So, um, you know, at that age... And that so, was Lyle, was it? That was Lyle, and yep. Lyle, Lyle was a great, great club, and um, he passed away certainly last year. And um, But, uh, yeah, sort of memories of him down there marking the ground and putting up nets. Um, you know, I think they ended up naming the field after him, but... Um, so you, you come out of uh, uh, football, um, your junior footballing um, career and, and then go straight into sort of 77 in those late 70s into, um, into the senior ranks. So really it wasn't a question of um, if you'd play for Fig Tree Senior, senior Soccer Club, it would be a matter of when, was it? It was. And uh, actually um, after 16s, I didn't play for two years. So I was actually okay. had a part-time job, uh, which meant I was working Thursday nights and Saturday mornings, which uh, you know, I wouldn't make any time for the game. So um, I actually turned up 1980s. My mates had been playing, and I'd yep. sometimes go see them play, and I turned up in 1980. I was quite happy just to 
get a get a sort of um, play on the left wing and reserve grade because yeah. um, you know, my mates had already had the position, so I didn't want to displace them at all. Um, so um, yeah, 1980s um, first preseason was quite tough. Um, <laughs> I learnt thereafter to make sure I was fit before preseason started because um, that can be a killer. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that first year I think um, we uh, uh, in, in that first year we. We lost the first three games. I started off in reserve grade. Yep. Uh, we lost the first group three games. Um, that was Lukey, Luke Robards and um, Phil Carr's first first year at Fig Tree. As first grade coaches? As first grade coaches. Of course, um, Lukey himself had played Fig Tree before and had yep. um, a great career at Fig Tree and with Balambi as well. Balambi, yep. And of course, Phil, obviously, with um, South Coast United. South Coast United and a little stint at Ferry Meadow. Correct, yes. So, um, you know, and um, it was a bit of an unknown. I think after the first three games, uh, we had 15 goals against us or something. And we're looking at relegation. And, um, and then I got opportunity with the injury to, uh, I think it was our box at the time, got an opportunity to go up and play first grade. Yep. Uh, and partnered Pitney Nearly in the centre half there. And we went on a 11 game, 12 game unbeaten streak. So, um, and um, I guess one of one of our mem- memories of the game there was against Coniston. They actually beat us, I think, 5-0 in one of those first three games. Yep. And uh, we were playing against them and turned up beating them 5-1 in the match a day at, at uh, Memorial Park. Uh, because uh, back then, obviously, the, they were probably um, one of the two biggest teams in that year because Ferry Meadow were obviously... That was their last year in the IDSA competition and they went on to... Um, do the double but um, uh, what are your thoughts um, you know in that your first season then being 1980 um, you're playing reserve grade you hadn't played for a couple of years um, you're playing against grown men um, the standard at that time was still very high even in that reserve grade and you're playing Premier League and then you're, you're playing first grade um, did it take you a little while to get used to the physicality or, or was that part of your game that you could even as a young man, match that? Well, I was, I was still sort of physically developing, I guess, back then. So, um, and um, it was fortunate because we had a good blend and always did a good blend of um, experience and, um, and youth. And, um, you know, we have the likes of um, Rob Noakes. Rob had played in those early 70s. Uh, Rob was our captain. He was actually away. Him and Phil Luskin, the goalkeeper, were away overseas for about those first three or four games. And yep. um, when he came back, it, it made a fantastic difference. He was... Um, Quick left winger, beautiful left foot, and and uh, Phil was very good in goals as well. He was, yes. So um, you know the likes of those, and um, yeah, a lot of experience around me, and um, and you know also guys like um, Stephen Sowry. Stephen had played for Fig Tree uh, again in the seventies. He had a lot of experience and sort of took us young fellas under his wing because he was coaching in the reserve grade. Was he? He, he did later coach in the reserve grade, sort of not at that stage. Yeah. Um, um, but we also had a very strong coaching. You know, we had Lukey and uh, Phil in, in first grade, but you had Norm Flanagan actually in reserve grade. Yep. And Adrian Ringlands, who was looking after Andre Dance, you know, and looking four, back... And, four quality names to <laughs> yes. have as, as part of a club. Exactly, and look back in retrospect, um, you know, that was... Um, uh, sniff, contributed significantly, I guess, to it, to, I guess, the development of the club back then. But... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the big challenge came, I think... Uh, so we went 12 games unbeaten. In that um, 1980 season. We came yeah. up against Rio Meadow. We had the chance to go top. Yep. Uh, I guess, good test for me, I was up against uh, Graham Gardner and, uh, and Stephen Baker. Oh, wow. Um, I think Graham Gardner turned me twice and <laughs> scored two goals. <laughs> um, so, unfortunately, then our, our box will actually return from injury and um, I got dropped that the next game and... Um, 
and back to reserve grade. And um, it was, uh, I don't know, it took me a while to actually overcome that. Yeah. Uh, get over that, I guess. Um, but I was fortunate I had Norm Flanagan back in reserve grade, you know, and gave me a lot of encouragement. You know, even the likes of um, uh, John Walker, a great yep. clubman and great servant to, I guess, soccer in the district and later at Fernhill. Yeah. Um, now he was playing at the back as well, and he, he was the one who taught me how to communicate and how to talk, I guess, at the back and the importance of that. Yeah, and whiskey's um, very good at that. Um, so for me, it sounds like that first year, um, even though, I guess, through merit and maybe a bit of injury as well, that you got to play first grade, but the names you're talking about, um, uh, very, very much household names in the Illawarra, but a lot of experience, and even likes the likes of Sowry and Noakes and whatnot, there seems to be a culture within the club of um, sort of de facto mentoring. Yes. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, you spoke of Burley and Brown and that, um, and a lot of juniors coming through. So, they, they, like you said, it was very much a, a good mix of people involved at the club. Yes, and um, look, yeah, you, know, you had other guys like um, Jan Cooper and George Young and, and Paul Cole. I think Greg Ferling, they were all guys who were playing in the late 80s and were in that same team in the 80s, uh, early 80s. Um, and you also had Dex players, guys like Jimmy Hurley, um, Wayne Ronald, Terry Hurley. Um, you now they were hanging about the club, you know, in and about yep. the club, and um, we were still very close knit. And of course, Luke, obviously. I guess it was because he sort of bridged that gap. He played with these guys, yeah. his mates with them, and they would come and, and, and watch us play. And um, yeah, that. Um, and even though you were um, a bit of first grade that year and, and mainly reserve grade, um, it, well, from newspaper reports that I've seen, um, it, it sounded like that a, a coaching duo was an unusual dynamic. How did you and the rest of the playing group uh, see it? It was no different. For you guys, or, or, or not, how not did really. it work? Because it, it, it worked really well together. I mean, Luke was the um, he was the guy who trained us. He, he prepared us for games, physically and mentally. I think that yep. was important. He was, he was the one who, who established the team values as well, uh, to a large yep. degree. And, and Phil, he was the tactician. He was the he was the one uh, he selected the side, yep. and uh, would make the important, I guess, coaching decisions. I guess. Uh, as to who played and who didn't, and um, a lot of times uh, he would make those decisions mid games, and they would come off. Um, so um, look, that worked really well for us, and um, and I guess later on, Phil, you know, late eighties took took that role on, full role on himself. Um, but Luke was a big part of, I guess, the culture of the club and and the values that we took forward as, as sort of players. And um, it's just some of the sayings he used to have and drill into us, you know, just simple things like. Um, how you train on a Thursday night is how you play on the Saturday. So yep. big focus on rings very true, finishing off on, on Thursday nights and you know just things during the game like you know early balls a good ball. You yep. know we always encourage I guess to give the, the attacking players the most opportunity to um, do what they could. And um, one that always resonated with me and, and and we took through was look if you don't have anything good to say you don't say anything at all. And that was yep. very much um, about I guess encouraging your teammates to do. Um, and I get on the backs, I guess, um, and yeah, it was that kind of stuff. So that worked really well. Yeah. So you you go um, that that eighty one um, season. You know there was, I think here looking back, um, or eighty season. You did go into the grand final. Yes. Um, against uh, you did have a, a victory against uh, Ferry Meadow. Um, coming into that grand final, yeah, yeah we beat them in the uh, under the lights. I think it was a bulleye. Uh, we beat but, them in the, in but then the were, I guess, decimated. Would be a fair reflection in terms of scoreline. 
Yes. Um, 5 1 in the grand final. Yeah, very much so. Actually, it was. Scoreline didn't indicate it was a close game. We had a chance, I guess, to make it 3 2 at one stage. But uh, yeah, we were soundly beaten on the day. Uh, and you know, they had the likes of um, Kel Potter in goal, you know, Reg Chilby and Hugh Dinney at the back, and yep. um, Mickey Richardson in the midfield, and of course, Gardner and Baker up front. So, you know, they, they were a great side. Mickey White was also on that side. Um, so, yeah, look, they, they beat us that day. Yeah. And um, were you part of the squad that game or were you there as a supporter? No, I was there as a supporter that and day. And I, so. I heard it was, a, a, you know, a couple of thousand there. Um, your memories of that grand final? I know we're going to talk about other grand finals where you're involved. So there, there wasn't a, a lot of others where you're a supporter. So what are your memories of, of, of that game and the crowd and whatnot? Yeah, I remember um, even though I guess we were beaten on the day, I think the, the supporters were the, were the ones who cheered the loudest. And, um, you know, we would we'd like to have a, a good old sing-along on the, on the hill and <laughs> um, we really enjoyed it. And um, it's actually always been, uh, even going back to the 70s, because that is when the culture was set, they had quite a bit of success in the grand finals. Yep. Um, I think... Wally's Miller's team played in about was it four or five grand finals, and winning a couple. Um, yeah, it was um, looking back at these records. It was um, you know in in the seventies where grand final winners in seventy two that Cinderella story you spoke about in in seventy six, but also um, reserve grade league champions in seventy six and grand final winners in seventy seven, and even the youth grade in in seventy four and doing the double. So there was. There was a lot of success in the 70s and then even more so in the 80s. Yeah, and um, sorry to add on that 73 and 75, I think, no, 73 and 76, they were actually, um, no, 73, they got beaten in the grand final by Coronel, 3-1. Yep. Um, like Steve Sarri and Luke Raybard scored about 30 goals between each other that year. And um, I think I read somewhere Steve scored actually nine goals in one match, I think, against EPT, which I think <laughs> is something record that still stands, perhaps. Um, and of course, the '75 side was quite uh, a good side. They, but they were beaten by Unidura, three-one in the grand final, uh, which I think we we talked about. I guess the likes of Gaffney on that side. '76, um, I guess, was one was a fond memories. I guess we had they beat Tarawana three-two in the grand final that year. Um, and both Unidura and Tarawana were strong sides. In, yes, and in the um, mid to late '70s. And um, actually, they had Wally Mill and Terry, Terry Hurley at the back, 38 and 35. They were ages respectively, so um, quite a lot of experience. Terry had a, a huge amount of experience back in England as a as a professional as well. Yeah, and um, of course, Steve Royal and uh, Stevie, Stephen Sarri up front, and uh, young Rob Noakes on the left wing back then. And um, you know, names like Jim Stewart, George Young, Ian Potter, they were sort of in the midfield. And of course, Terrawana had players like Gary Masters and uh, Wayne Bradford, yeah, Dave Naylor. So, um, you know. Um, that was uh, certainly a special victory, and um, it's actually '77. We changed our name from Victory to West Victory. Which yeah, is West Victory. and that was to do with the sponsorship with the local leagues club. Is that correct? Yes, it was. Uh, West started started sponsoring that year, and we actually the first year we got a, a like we called the Coventry strip, which was red and blue with uh, stripes down the front. Um, yep. uh, we loved that strip, and um, so prior to that, and sorry to jump in there. So prior to that, what were the the senior colours, were they the same red, as the juniors? Yeah, red and black. Red and black. Yeah. So, look, Wally Miller retired, I think, in 78. So that was, you know, they had four grand finals in seven years. So that, that sort of set, set the expectation almost, if you like. Yep. Especially for those players who had transitioned that period. Yep. Uh, for likes of myself, you know, the first grand final, I didn't know what to expect, I guess. Yep. Um, and from that point onwards, we always sort of set that expectation that we'd, we'd want to play in that last game, game in, in September. Now, September was the aim. And um, 
and you know, hence uh, the grand finals. Even though we lost that one against Rio Meadow, yeah, um, we're keen just to be on grand final day because we knew what it was like. Just as for our supporters, just to get up there and support us. And even though, um, as an aside, there um, in in that season, nineteen eighty, um, the under nineteens were league champions as well. So correct, yes, you, you did very much. Um, obviously, had people like yourself in reserve grade that could step in to the breach if need be. But you also had a a strong youth team coming up as well. Yes, and um, look, we always had um, a, a good progression, I guess, of, of, of young players come through. And, you know, we had likes of um, Rob Noakes and Paul Cole. You know, they, they played in the, in the 18s and the late 70s and they were there. Um, Larry Barringer and now Boxall played in yep. that age side. Um, and later, you know, Dave Green, who uh, yeah. ended up playing for um, St George and yep. both uh, yeah, Wolves as well. Um, Stephen Hull and Jeff Wright. Um, both won premierships with us. Uh, Darren Knees, um, David Clark, Craig Armour, who went on the play for uh, Fernhill. Yeah, some uh, people don't realise of Craig's past there in terms of being with West Victory. So. Yes, uh, Daniel Hastings, Paul Robard, so Donnie Martinowski. Now that's to name a few. So just continual progression. So with um, before we go um, on to with your career and like I said, as people can hear now, we're sort of uh, um, mixing your own career, but it links in well with the history of the club because you you were there. Uh, that 1980 season, though, you, the first grade finishes second, loses in the grand final, but at the end of that year, and and I can't really speak for the IDSA or, or for Fig Tree, and I guess all you can do is um, um, give your point of view across and, and in no way are we uh, disparaging anyone in terms of the decisions made, but um, because of uh, a ground criterion... Um, uh, West West Victory were demoted or relegated um, because of their ground um, to the first division from the Premier League. That's right. So yeah, we, we didn't have a, a fence, a, a wooden fence around the ground. They just rope it off basically. Yep. Uh, so we because we didn't have the wooden fence, we actually got dropped, and that caused a lot of controversy. And and what were you, what was like? How did when you first heard the news? Um, what were your thoughts? Because. Um, I know with some clubs that, you know, it could not be a death knell, but it could mean that a lot of players might might not might not be as loyal and want to play in the top league. You know, the team came second, reserve grade was relatively strong, so was the youth grade team. They'd won the comp. So, you know, what were your feelings and and some of your peers that you knew of? How were they feeling? Yeah, well, we um, obviously we were all in shock, I guess, with the decision. And um, you know, I couldn't believe obviously finishing second and being demoted, and especially that year, Ferry Meadow went to um, the state league, so um, you know, that's quite a big chunk to leave. But um, it, it really just brought us together, to be honest. You know, we're just um, we're all mates um, playing together, a lot of juniors, you know, so willing to stick stick with the club, and really just brought us tied together as a, as a as a group. And that really actually led to um, was probably one of the reasons why we had such success there in the early eighties because um, we took. I guess harness that, yep. and uh, was determined to show that now we belong in the Premier League, and um, and you know went obviously got back up there, winning the first division that year quite easily. Because there's a weird situation of that um, 1980 season where Shell Harbour, I guess, were promoted. Um, they'd beaten um, everyone that year to get up. You guys were demoted for the reasons that we explained, and then um, that following year in '81, you guys uh, took all and sundry apart. In all three grades, yes, um, and and really, um, you know, came back up even stronger, which is you know, 
sounds weird in a sense, doesn't it? It does. And um, look, I mean, I think uh, I guess it's maybe even a bit humiliating for a district back then. But you know, we beat I think Little Sports ten nil in the in the major final. Um, and you say, you know, we won all three grades, and um, and um, we spent the, actually the next summer um, all the players together down at the ground. Um, digging potholes, putting yep. cementing posts in the ground, and putting up the fence and painting it. So that was how we spent our summer, and we got um, yeah promoted again. So you're back in Premier League in '82, and and I know um, you know for I guess from your perspective, um, you can sort of answer some of these questions from a club perspective because you were on the committee. Correct. Um, yes. You probably got that distinction of being sort of you know, uh, utility man in the sense that you're playing first grade, reserve grade, and, and doing very well, but um, being a, being treasurer of the club as well. So you know it firsthand that, um, uh, and we all know soccer circles, um, we're worse than a country women's association sometimes. We all speak to each other and can't keep a secret. So West Victory weren't really paying big money at the time to have all this success, were they? No, they weren't, and we never paid big money. And, and, and players wouldn't come to Victory because of um, because of the money. Actually, yep. a lot of them would come because you know it was a, a chance to um, win premierships, and yep. you know, so we do. And, and, and we're blessed, I guess, because we had so many juniors come through. They weren't looking to to pay for money either. And um, I guess to give some indication, also, we were probably on about twenty dollars a win when I started taking over as treasurer back then. Yep. So you know that wasn't much. All we worried about was having enough money at the end of the year to actually pay for the end of season trip, and um, <laughs> that was our aim. That's not a bad incentive. No. <laughs> but, so so yeah, you got the ground fixed. There was a lot of, I guess, player committee and community support to get the ground up. So was that eighty-two season? Um, I don't want to sort of simplify it and say was it an us versus them in terms of you to prove to the district, but did you sense, I guess, in yourself and then the other players that, hey, first vision we did extremely well now and now we want to prove ourselves in all three grades back in the Premier League? Oh, certainly, and that was certainly drivers. You know, yep. There were, was certainly a, a bit of us versus them and um, and that's, I guess, the benefit of guess, being dropped. Yeah. was able to... Um, to, to channel that and um, I think we ended up winning all three grades first grade we um, we won the league by six points I think it was that year so yep. um, you know it was, it was an outstanding scene and the under 19s us. won the league and as well we won the club championship so, and yeah. all three grades won grand finals so yep. can you speak a bit about that because um, I probably wouldn't do it justice but there was a couple of replays in there and then your own involvement in terms of those 82 grand finals yeah well um I was playing, I played a couple of games first grade that year, but mainly reserve grade, and um, Billy Burns was my coach back there, um, reserve grade, and I was actually captain of the reserve grade side, and um, I, I enjoyed that, um, and um, I found it difficult to get into the first grade, because we had, we had a defence, I think it's Paul Cole, Larry Barringer, Mark Morgan, and Daryl Burley, uh, Kel Potter on goals, wow. um, Ian Lewis was um, in midfield, defensive midfielder, and um, look, they only conceded 11 goals all year, so um, very hard team to get into, and... Um, all three, we you know, all three grand finals, we we had draws. Yep. And there was no penalty shootouts back then, so extra time. Uh, they all sent to replays. Yep. And um, we were hoping, we were looking to play that the following weekend, but um, Shell Harbour had actually booked their trip away. So the district decided to play the replay on the Tuesday night for first grade and under 19s, and Thursday night for reserve grade. 
and uh, Mark Morgan had picked up an injury in the uh, grand final, so I was caught up to play the first grade grand final. On a Tuesday night against Shell Harbour? Against Shell Harbour. Um, you know, and they had uh, the likes of like, John Bingham and Ronnie Vanderford and Barney King, you know, and Kirsten Bader, they, they, they were a great side. And um, we uh, we drew two, they drew first grade two on the, in, in the final, and in the replay we ended up winning 1-0 with, um, I think, Johnny... John Sokolowski actually getting the winner on that on that day. He'd come across from Cringilla. Correct, yes, uh, and you never leave, never leave John alone in the um, in the <laughs> box because uh, he he sort of knew how to knew how to get those uh, winners. Um, and um, then on the Thursday night, um, so really not much of a celebration for you because you knew you um, you had a game on the Thursday. Correct, yes. So I was capping the reserve ground on the Thursday night. So. Um, and I think they might have even changed the rules thereafter. But, um, yeah, we won that game 4-0. So um, yeah, that, was, that was quite a week for me uh, and quite a week for the club. You know, and, and the youth grade won as well. So, you know, all three grades. So what about you personally there, uh, apart from probably being elated and um, extremely ecstatic about, about doing what you did and, and winning? But I know you're a young bloke and I guess maybe that's just the comment that's going to come back my way. But... Still a mammoth effort to uh, play in a first grade grand final. You'd played in a reserve grade yourself, so it wasn't as if you were fresh. You were the same as the other first graders, both teams. And then, you know, was it just, um, I guess, that adrenaline rush of winning the first grade and being part of that that took you through that that Thursday night game? Uh, yeah, there is, I guess. Look, that, that time of year, and that's the thing I always loved about September, favourite favorite month of the year, I think. Because it's just you know you'd um, you'd make the finals finals it would be um, the days were longer there's something going in the training you had a bit of extra bounce in your step you know you could just yep. you could just smell it in the air it's been coming on and yep. um, you know it was, it was hard grass enough, had a different smell it, it did and um, yeah obviously being young it was a sort of easier to back up and um, and there was just look a lot of um, enthusiasm expectation about the club and you know we really celebrated as a club and. Um, yeah, we're quite keen to do well, and we, and we did. And in terms of, um, again, in 82, uh, uh, Phil Carr and, and Lukey Robards, um, they uh, took the team on in first grade. So, um, again, that, that dynamic was working. It was, yes. And uh, obviously, again, continued on in 83. Um, yeah, 83, again, was another um, year where... Um, first grade just did the double um, what more can you say um, what were your memories of that year were you still um, predominantly in reserve grade because of that great back four that was um, I think um, I can't remember what happened to Paul maybe went overseas that year um, but I, I came through the first grade played first grade all that year oh, um, excellent. right full back um, and we won the premiership again by six points I think it was that year and um, ended up playing World Wonders in the grand final. Because there were some good teams in those sort of early 80s there, especially in that comp, you know, you, you did have uh, Rorilla who was strong. Yeah, especially up front. They were very dangerous up front. They had uh, Robert Hernandez, um, Barry Robinson, um, Steve Rostowski, he was um, a right winger, and he was a handful. And um, look, look, they were a very dangerous side. But um, Larry, Larry Barringer was the captain that year, yep. and he had a, a fantastic game in the grand final. He scored the first goal. Um, you know, he was obviously um, a formidable, I guess, centre half, strong in the air. Yeah. Um, you know, and ended up, I guess, being the man of the match, I guess, in that game. Uh, we ended up winning it 3 1. Uh, John Sokolowski got 
two other goals. So again, you know, scored big goals and big games. But um, I think Larry went on uh, after that to play for Furry Meadow. Yeah, he had a very, very successful stint there. With um, with that grand final, um, again, you know, I guess your your first grand final in first grade was the year before, um, but this one was sort of, um, let's say, you earned it in a sense that you played the whole season. Um, did it give you, a, a, did it fulfil you a bit more that you'd done well and won the league and then finished it off with the double and, and, and were there for the whole year? Yeah, and it certainly does. And in particular, I guess, I was, I was playing with guys who I played in front of eight, you know, there's was, was Daryl Burley, Phil Brown, Jeff yep. Fellows, um, Mike McGuire, all on that side. And, yep. um, you know, to play alongside them and, and win the grand final was, really, you know, was really special. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's... Um, Remember a big change that year. Dave Green actually came on. He was dual registered for us and the Wollongong Bulls. And he came, he came. Curry substituted him in the second half, and he came on and really uh, that was our game. Really from the second half onwards, he he he's direct running. Um, and of course, he went. He, he played right wing for us, Dave. And, yep. um, and when he went to the Wollongong Bulls, they played him a right fullback. Fullback. The start of the wing back. I guess he was he was a very good wing back. Very quick. Uh, very determined runner. Uh, very direct, so um, Dave had quite a good career at St George and um, the Wolves. And what about, um, maybe I should have asked earlier, but what about Harry Graham Park? Um, I've played there numerous times, and um, even though I'm relatively fit when I played, um, uh, I like I like the smaller grounds. Um, less running to do as a wide midfielder as I was, but um, do you think it took other teams... Um, it took them a little while to get used to the ground, and then you guys, like any home ground advantage, really knew how to play that ground better than the other teams. Yeah, or one thing, you played in the opposition half. I mean, yep. um, obviously football's changed a little bit in those days. You didn't yep. play too much in, in your own, own half. You, yep. you pushed the board forward, and um, you went to, to contest the ball in the other other half, and um, and and you had to at Harry Graham. You, you couldn't play football out, out no. of the back. It was just the, the surface was too unreliable. It was too bumpy. So. Um, you know, we, we, we got to appreciate that actually I remember playing Harry game at uh, one of those August days where they had strong westerly winds coming in of course yep. you know it was an east west ground yep. and we were playing against Tarawana this was one of the games in the 1980 and um, and I think we went with the win the first half it was one of those days you know you keep the ball <laughs> the goalkeeper kick it over his, over his head and out for a corner and um, I think it was uh, we were up 2-0 at half time and then um, Jan Cooper hit one against the wind which I expected would just do the same thing, end up over his head and just, just sound like steady rose into the roof of the net. Wow. And, um, but, um, yeah, fond memories of playing Harry Graham Park. And, and, and uh, for, I guess, if, you know, there's probably 40 to 60 listeners that are listening regularly at the moment and I appreciate their support, for people that, because um, it hasn't been a senior ground for a long, long time now, Correct. Um, would it be fair to say... Um, my opinion would be a, a close resemblance to that ground in terms of size um, and intimacy is probably Police Boys Club. Yep, yes, they're, they're in North Wollongong, yes. Yeah. So especially when you had, you know, you didn't need big crowns, um, yep. but they were quite vocal when they were there. And um, so the size of the grounds were roughly the same as well. Yeah, very much so. And um, and again, that was from uh, from in the early days, nineteen seventies, when I was youngster. That was the biggest impression for me. It didn't have to be a big crowd, but geez, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, and because you had the the creek on one side of of uh, one length of the ground, so uh, when you're talking um, some of those games in the seventies that you went as a as a ball boy or whatnot, and there's thousands, you know, thousand to fifteen hundred people in there. Um, people of our vintage can probably go, wow, 
that is a good sized crowd, yeah. crowd at that ground. Yeah. yeah, as a ball boy, getting the balls out of the creek was a challenge to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was um, a great ground to play at and, and um, a lot of fond memories from Harry Graham and that actually ended up being the club's really Achilles heel because um, I think we ended up having to put a fence around it, a mesh fence. Yep. Um, and uh, in the floods, I think the light 90s, that was one of the contributing reasons to the flooding in that area. Yep. And um, so they had to take the fence down and of course, you know, it just wasn't up the Premier League standard. And uh, I guess that led to, I guess, our, our merger with Unidera. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get onto that later because um, I've spoken many times um, about different clubs, um, and I guess I'm a, a romantic in a in an Illawarra soccer sense. So to to lose clubs like Lysarts, Kemblawarra, um, even Dapto, um, you know, it, it is sad. So um, losing West Fig Tree um, in a senior sense um, wasn't great either. But we'll go back to back to the '80s, and then in '84 um, it was probably. Uh, uh, less of a year, yeah. Um, well, well, in terms and, of the couple of years before, yeah. Well, Luke and Phil announced their retirement, I guess, as coaches in uh, after the '83 grand final win, and uh, yep. it was a bit of a no-brainer actually. With Adrian as the um, youth grade coach, he'd he'd been responsible for bringing a lot of the youngsters through. Um, yeah, you know, he was, he, was, he was fantastic. Actually. And was that just um, just Luke and Phil just saying, "Hey, we want a break," um, or, uh, or, or do you think there was something? Well, you were on the committee, I guess. Um, yeah, no, did you I, think it was anything else? No, I don't think so. I think they just um, felt this time was um, it's time for a bit of rebuilding. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think they had um, other things to uh, they wanted to do, but um, um, no, we um, we appointed well, quite happy to appoint Adrian as the yep. uh, first grade coach. We actually end up um, uh, finishing just outside the finals that year. I think fifth. Yep. And um, the thing I enjoyed most about the year was actually switched to the midfield. We actually had Ian Lewis as the defensive midfielder, yep. I guess, for those early 80s. A fantastic player. Uh, he was as tough as they come. In fact, I remember before the, I think it was the 82 grand final, two weeks before it, um, he got a bad tackle and had 30 stitches in his, in his, in his shin. Ooh. And um, no one respected him to recover that and see him run out in the grand final day was um, something to behold. It's a um, monumental effort from a from yeah. a human being to be sort of, I'm assuming, stuttered down there to, yeah. to cut it to that degree. Indeed. And look, he was, he was fair and hard and he went on to play 84 with Fernhill. So um, that gave opportunity for, for me to play middle of midfield and I um, was there quite a few years thereafter and um, really enjoyed that. and um, Enjoyed, I guess, Adrian as a coach, but um, yeah. yeah, we ended up fifth that year. And so, yeah, I've spoken to Adrian before and he's got, a, I guess, a wealth of experience back from, you know, when he came over here in, in 1960 and played Federation and played in those um, South Coast United teams. So he'd been around at the club for three or four years anyway. So um, I guess in one way, um, some clubs may have uh, faltered, um, may have had to try and find a new coach or someone with not many credentials, but you guys had someone that could, I guess plug in you lost Larry and a couple other guys but still came fifth so it says a lot about the club doesn't it it does yes and um, we had Brian Downs actually come that year one of the other guys from under eights and um, again it was, it was great to be playing you know from the mates beside me who had a place since under yep. eights you know, in first grade that was that was um, something I really enjoyed that year yeah. and so at the end of um, that year uh, Adrian uh, moved on and then um, and, and Luke and Phil had come back was that just um Adrian was fine with that. Um, well, I think Adrian was probably a little disappointed, but yep. um, you know, when it comes down to making a decision between, you know, we had those Luke and Phil looking to yep. come back, and they're obviously quite successful. Um, 
and I guess in the day it proved to be I guess the right decision. But um, you know, Adrian still achieved quite well given the side we had in 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 '84. Um, and, and look, we didn't find a medicus with Luke and Phil coming back. Yeah. Um, and one thing Luke and Phil were able to do, we were able to attract. Um, um, I guess they had the juniors be able to attract these guys from outside the club. Yep. And that's something they did because of their coaching pedigree and and the results that they, you know, had already uh, put on paper, so to speak. That's right. Yeah. So um, you know, um, and even in those years, we we had quite a good side. You know, I think we had Ronnie Vanderborn and Paul Morgan come to us, and, um, and for whatever reason, it just. It didn't click. I mean, you know, it was there, there, thereabouts, but it just, just wasn't clicking for us. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't. I guess, um, much of a year compared to the the previous three or four years, um, finishing at the latter end. Um, but the reserve grade team was still league champions. That's right. Yeah. And, and like you said, you mentioned him before, Steve Sowery. Um, he'd been around at the club a long time. Correct. Yes. Um, and you had Larry. Larry Berenger and, and Rob Noakes is 19 so yeah. like you said it, it seemed to be a, the club had a great ability to keep these players around or involve them in prominent positions whether you being a treasurer yep. or whether other coaching positions that's right yeah so um, yeah, Steve did quite well that year and um, you know, as I said one thing we always want to do as a club was have some representation on Grand Final Day and um, I think that first 25 years I think 22 seasons we were actually there on Grand Final Day whether it be first grade reserve grade or under 19 so um, it was always a big thing for us Yeah I, I think that's um, just a phenomenal statistic and um, you know statistics can mean a lot of things sometimes and you can interpret them different ways but um, ultimately if you're there on Grand Final Day um, there's there's some form of merit. There's there's not much luck to it. Um, there's luck between, I guess, the top teams or that make the semis sometimes, um, but not to make the semis themselves. Uh, that's right. Yeah, and, and we used to have a saying that there's no such thing as luck. It's where preparedness meets opportunity. And, exactly. Uh, all you yeah. can do is focus on the, being prepared. So, um. so that um, defeated in um, that 1985 reserve grade penalty shootout by the Rangers, but you then. Um, uh, moved on into that 86 season yeah well um, I um, actually um, end of 85 um, 86 I joined uh, Freddie Meadow for the preseason yeah. um, I was going to ask you how, how did that um, come about because you seem like you have uh, I guess red and black or red and blue blood yeah. in your veins um, how did that come about I guess as I just saw it as a challenge um, I, was, I was had a f- some fairly good years uh, 84 and 85 and um, 86, um, Larry Barringer was already there at Fairmeadow and um, was Jeff Fellows. Um, Jeff was a fantastic midfielder, deft touch, yep. uh, very skillful. Uh, there was himself and Daryl Burley. We all went to trial for um, Fairmeadow and went over there in the pre-season. And, um, because John Fleming had moved from there in 85 to the Wolves in 86. Correct, and Mike Johnson was the coach Mike there, Johnson. Uh, which was... <laughs> Getting used to Mike was, I guess, a bit of a challenge, but um, it was a different kind of coach. But, um, yep. you know, we had a great pre-season. We, um, we played in the Ampol Cup. Uh, yep. I remember a game against um, Blacktown City at Marconi Stadium, and, and they all regarded the Silver Tails then of um, New South Wales soccer. And um, we beat them, I think it was 2-0 up there at Marconi Stadium. And that was written up as one of the best, you know, wins for Ferry Meadow. So, and where were you playing in that Ferry Meadow line-up uh, position? Centre half would have been playing that day, yep. I think. Yeah, so I was playing. So things seemed to be going well in that sort of Ferry Meadow pre-season. So yep. what eventuated there? Well, the what happens? Well, the second game we actually played against uh, Wollongong City. And yep. um, I think they ended up near law, but uh, there's a bit of controversy that day because we thought we had a goal. And the Mercury photographer actually captured crossing yeah, the Yeah, I line, saw the so. picture. <laughs> I'd probably have to say it's not a... Gr- 
it's a very good angle but not conclusive but if I had to put um, my own opinion on it I'd yeah. say it's a goal uh, yes that's what we thought too but um, so you know we, um, we we thought we were through to the next round of the Ampel Cup then but um, I think we actually got beaten by Sydney City in the third game um, but for me personally it was um, I actually got a job in Sydney I was working in Sydney and living in Sydney yep. so I was moving up there and it came down to choices look I, I couldn't train I could only train maybe one night a week because we're talking the uh the top tier underneath NSL that we're correct and the, the ferry meadow were then yeah, so yeah, you're three, training three nights correct yeah so um you know there's opportunity for me for me to just resign back with victory and I was quite happy to do that um I was able to keep myself fit um, and I guess we're Phil and Luke fine with that they didn't sort of see you as well oh you left us because you were trying to play at a higher level yeah no not at all there's there's no worries about that whatsoever going back so I guess for you personally though it, it might have been um sort of I guess half and half, you know, in one sense vocationally you're doing well um, to get a, a good position in Sydney but, you know, one of your other passions is is soccer or football and, and yeah, you're doing well enough to be in the, the second tier of uh, Australian football um, but had to sort of forgo that opportunity. Does that still in hindsight, do you think maybe a what if, even though some uh, people are like that or some people aren't? Yeah, no, not really because um, we had so much success then. Uh, that was the start of another successful era at Fig Tree. So, um, and I just my, personally um, learnt a lot from that time at Fremantle. Just got a lot of confidence out of that, yep. and uh, was able to have a few good years thereafter. So, um, no, I, I took a lot from that. Um, I was quite happy to keep on playing at Fig Tree because I still treasure it there as well. So, yep. um, yeah. So that '86 uh, season, you come back, and then, like you said, it was a rebuilding stage, um, and then youth grade won the grand final. Um, and you are just uh, fifth then. Um, what are your memories of that that '86 season? Because um, first grade wasn't involved, but um, still sounds like you were thereabouts. Uh, well, competitive, yeah. But by our standards, are probably probably lean years. And um, you're right. '87 really started the the real building process. And um, I think I remember John Frew on your podcast talking about having that that great side, the side in the NSL. Um, yeah. And uh, we had the likes of Brett Farragher and Tony Donnelly uh, and Darren Nees um, join us um, from that great side in the NSL. And um, I still can't understand how some of those players can get through and play yeah. uh, in the NSL. Because they'll send uh, the, way, the way John speaks about um, those times and even a, a great result against the St George team that had uh, the likes of Robbie Slater and, and a few other quality players at it's uh, it's definitely one for the ages why uh, some of them didn't go through. Yeah, and um, we also actually later years had Jeff Wright who also played on that side and Jamie Dummett who a couple of years at Fremantle and yep. when they folded he came, came and played with victory. So um, they, they were really f- the foundation for our success going forward. Uh, and how did these um, uh, Farragher, Billington and those sort of guys, how did, um, I know I know Sean um, obviously had connections with victory. Um, did Farragher play there previously, or um, no? Brett, Brett and Hatch, it was just so friends. They'll, or, they'll, they'll just know that just, just came down and tried attracted to give, by the club. give it a go. I think um, Luke and Phil obviously were able to have uh, the track this kind of plays. But um, look, Sean, I, I I grew up with and went to school with, so um, yep. uh, he was also a very talented basketball player. So that's one thing you always knew is if there was a cross ball coming across, he had it. So um, yeah. Um, so you did in that '87 year. Um, you were fourth, um, made the semis, and but uh, just as well as that, um, did the cup double in in first grade and youth grade. So it was still a 
a successful season. Yeah, it was a quite successful. You know, we had some um, other players come in, like Mauro German. Um, yep. Mauro, Mauro and Bruno both played with us, and um, it's really good to see the uh, Bruno's young fella. Um, yeah. That do well over there in the uh, soccer we set up these days. And uh, look, Bruno was a very strong centre half. He had a bit of a, a knee problem, I guess, when he played with us. But look, he was a, a, a very good centre half. And uh, Mauro is very skillful midfielder. So I um, had a pedigree, obviously, in that family. And uh, Gary Thompson was another one. But, um, and and yourself uh, in that '87 year, um, the Bampton Cups probably midway through the year, and you're made the semis were you still in midfield or were you back in the back four no I was still in the midfield then yep. and um, that was the year I think I think maybe South Coast United won the league and you know, yep. you the likes of Neil Williams and Mirko Solo and uh, Joey Coelho and Max Bonicelli up front and uh, geez they were quick up front they were yep. a great pairing up front and um, we had a, a couple of great games against them I think there was one at Harry Graham where um, they were sort of undefeated and we, we stopped them in the tracks that day and um, and always had a great tussle against uh, South Coast and Neil Williams, who was obviously captain coach. And um, and I think, yeah, we won the Bantam Cup that year. And, yep. um, you know, that was, again, the start of just that rebuilding process. And yourself, were you um, enjoying, sort of now you've had five or six years in first grade, were you really enjoying it? And, and there seemed to be, looking at some of the notes that you've given me and whatnot, that there was a core of core of blokes there so um, I know myself um, playing with uh, guys for for several years you um, become friends off the field because you spend so much time Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays and then after the games and then you meet their, their partners and families and whatnot. so yep. I'm assuming more so at Fig Tree because there seemed to be this consistent core not just in first grade but club people as well that that's, that's it, was, right. it was very much a, a family club feel very much and it was very much part of our success you know we, we, we would be together on and off the field great mates and um, you know even summer we'd be playing in, indoor cricket or we'd be playing um, the touch football competition down yeah. here at West or you know indoor soccer we you know, always have a team game together um, and you know a couple of our mates were boardwaters down at South Beach we did just get on the beach together you know we'd, we'd always hang out and um, you know, a lot of the time we'd um, obviously be playing football and um, you know have a Celebration on Saturday night, and they would last all weekend. You know, that wasn't uncommon. <laughs> so, uh, and, and great the, mates. And the local watering hole was Fig Tree Hotel, was it? It was, yes. So, um, you know, the players are really good. We even go down there, do the raffle. Uh, well, after, well, after training on Thursday nights, we go back yep. and have a few and um, spend time together. And um, I guess also on uh, Friday nights, we'd go down and help with the raffle and that kind of stuff. Because yep. uh, it's a really tough way to raise funds for, I guess, it's Treasure Road. Yeah. yeah. Took every opportunity we could. But um, no, it was, it was a very close club. And and uh, I know it myself, it's always a sort of a paper edge or knife edge in terms of uh, club finances. I've been at uh, my club for a little while now and, and know how hard it is. And, and so was that always, um, even though there might be success on the field, um, it seems like there was always a lot of hard work and it wasn't just a sort of a definite that you were, A, going to be on the park. You really had to work hard to keep the club going? No, that's right. Every year was a break-even scenario and um, yep. West would pretty well cover the cost of, the say, the coach and the players. Yep. And then all the other running costs are going to be, have to be covered by by just, you know, raffles and things like Canteen and, and things yep. like that. And um, we also had some other good sponsors, you know, Victor Hotel, of course, sponsored us and yep. um, Maxis Meats, a um, good friend of mine, play at the club, Mark Burnside, um, him and his father uh, sort of uh, owned Maxis Meats and um, supported us and the club sponsors for many years and um, it's just guys like that who, who great crabmen who keep this going 
and so you were treasurer and so we'll I guess sort of uh, move around a little bit here but in terms of those up until you know your involvement from 81 as as a treasurer you know and we spoke about before uh, Lyle Brown um, his involvement on the committee who were some of the other people uh, men and women involved um, at the club that that helped it helped it to be where it was yeah, well, we're fortunate because um, you know the club um, had a very stable committee, and that's that's always very important, I guess. And yep. um, sometimes you know uh, clubs don't have the, the ability to have a stable committee, and that's the, I guess that's always um, a foundation for some success. But you know we had the rights of um, uh, Don and um, Don and Rosemary Tuzzi, so they own their own business in town. Yep. Obviously, um, BP, Tom Thumb, and Herbie Stilp were there, sort of behind us all. You know, always. Um, we even had Brian Hastings, who he spent some yep. time as, um, as as chairman of the club before um, going to the Wolves. Because his sons sons played yes, there. Yes, sons played for us as well, and um, and uh, Jimmy Russell was another one. He was a uh, club secretary. Secretary is always the, the, the hardest yeah, job in any they're club. They're the workers. Yeah, they're the workers. That's right. And um, yeah, Jimmy Russell was uh, from that uh, old seventies era. Yep. Came through and, and, and played reserve grade, and um, again, just you know, to show how these guys were not only playing but involved in the committee. And it seems to me that, um, you know, uh, with your involvement on the committee and in the first grade, that um, maybe more so than than at other clubs, that um, some of those first graders got an insight into the work that was being done by the committee and and had a had an appreciation or or a level of respect for the the committee and what they were doing. That's right. And in fact, you know, the first grade players were, as I said, a great example is how we had to build the fence around the ground. You know, that was built by the first grade and reserve grade players. So you know. Uh, very much involved in running the club as well. So we go um, after that '87 season, where um, you know we we say just won the Bampton Cup and Youth Cup, um, but in '88 you you won the Bampton Cup again. You were fourth, and then um, and from fourth um, you end up grand final winners as well. And and this is the year where Phil uh, uh, took over the reins by himself. He did, yeah, yeah. It's, um, Phil took on the reins and. Um, and and really, we missed a beat. To be honest, we kept on kept on going, yep. and kept on getting results. Um, you know, that year we played against um, Bull in the grand final. Um, you know, they had a great side, lots of Warren Baker, Tony Sharnock, um, Ian Lewis up, Mick grew up front, and Robbie Beam Beamai playing. You know, pretty pretty well. Because it was light. neck and neck um, uh, late on in the the league championship race, and then there was uh, and John spoke about it um, uh, in his podcast when I interviewed him about. Um, you guys had the league sewn up and you just had to get a, a what seemed an easy result uh, over in Mittagong or Picton against All-Stars team. Uh, what, are your, uh, <laughs> yes. what are your memories of that last round before we talk about the grand final? Yes, well, that was, that was an infamous bus trip, I think. It's um, probably, probably not a good decision in hindsight. We probably should have drove the ground individually, but um, probably what didn't help us stay was um, I think Sean, Sean Billington didn't play that day. Yep. So um, sort of, um, we're down sort of... Um, and obviously, he was a, a game winner for us, so... Um, so uh, yeah, it was disappointing, and disappointing to say the least. I think we could have come first and we ended up fourth. But uh, yep. look, we took that in our stride again. The important thing was just to to, to be there, be in the final yep. series, and we just we knew we were good enough. Um, and um, you know, we met Bly twice two years in a row, maybe seven, no, eighty eight and eighty nine. And um, look, they had the woodenness all year. Every you know, I think we probably won one game and probably three or four against them, yep. and um, that was the grand final that year. Um, and what are your mem- memories of that um, 88 grand final? Um, well, Where was it played at? You're obviously yeah. playing against Bulleye. No, that, that was um, 
played at um, Memorial Park. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember Curry made a bit of a tactical switch that day. We turned up, there was a bit of a heavy day, and he, he switched Phil, Phil Brown, the play sweeper. Yep. Phil was normally in midfield, and he brought Jan Kibron to play up front. It was a bit of a... Old Jan could, could run all day on any... any so Phil, Phil normally played in the midfield? Correct, and, and Jan, I think, was brought in from, from off the bench for that, for that game. Um, and so, um, you know, you said a few times that, that Phil, as a coach, uh, tactically... Um, um, does make those decisions, yes, and sometimes right. during the game, but before a grand final, and you guys had played quite a few grand finals, so that was normal, but um, do you ever get used to where you're sort of just looking at maybe someone else you knew well in the team going, geez, what's going on here, or was there just a belief in Phil that, okay, he's doing this for a reason, he knows the other team, he knows us, and let's yeah. just get on with things? Uh, sometimes it was, it was you, you felt disappointed for the guys, might miss out, but yep. you, you just... We knew Phil, he had success. We just sort of, we backed yep. him, I guess, and he'd just go with what we sort of had in front of us. And um, no, that worked out that day. I think we won 2-0. Uh, yeah. Um, Sean Billington was probably man the match that day. You know, another example of a, a goalkeeper um, being a game winner for you. And they're, they're pretty special to have. Um, Do you think there was a, a level of um, bewilderment from Bulleye when they saw you guys lining up at, at the start? Um Oh, no, not necessarily. I think they, they were a great side in their own right. and um, So they played the way that they wanted to play? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, we had some great battles against them and just uh, we were just lucky to come out and top them that day. And they said, look, during the season they had the winners. So, um, but again, it was, for us, it's that grand final. That's what we're there for. And yep. um, yeah, we were lucky to run, run out winners that, that sort of um, that game. And what about um, the Bampton Cup again? And that would have been probably uh, a month or two before. Yep. Um, what are your memories of that? Yeah, that, that cup one. win because it was that was usually doing the double there. Yeah, so um, look, I think we um, we won that one fairly comfortably as well. I can't remember it was a three 0 win, I think maybe against Shell Harbour, but um, um, we had which is pretty good depth that year, and um, yeah, that was um, a good result. I had we hadn't won a bat and carve up to them, so you know that was pretty special to win them back to back. And 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 yourself, um, you did have, um, I guess. You came back that year. Um, you had a hamstring injury at a certain stage in yeah, in '88. An injury in '88, and actually in um, in the major final against um, I think we're playing Conjula. Um I got stretched off, and I thought I'd break the leg. I just um, uh, had um, scored a goal to put three one up. I think it was. Yep. Uh, and um, went in for a tackle, and um, the player took you know, hit me ankle, and with yep. you know, it was sort of blew up straight away. So it looked like the bone had sort of stuck out. Yeah, but um, no, it was just uh, it was just a sort of swelling, and so I just put it on ice for a couple of weeks and made the grand final. So I was just pretty happy to be there, to be honest. So you did end up playing the grand final. Yeah, we ended up playing the grand final. So, so again, um, eighty nine, um, again fourth position, um, grand final winners again against Bulleye, um, Phil taking the reins again, um, and then Darren Nee's top goal scoring. Um, you didn't get the chance to um, um, do the treble in the Bampton Cup because that year there was a, a lot of rain which uh, sort of changed the competition across all divisions, didn't it? It, it did, yeah. There was a lot of rain that year and we actually spent most of our time training across at the um, Lindsay Park uh, Primary School uh, <laughs> on, the, on the netball courts. But, um, yeah, that uh, and there was a lot of backup, you know, games that be replayed played. or played, sorry, and... and, and um, and uh, that meant they couldn't run the Batman Cup series. So it was disappointing not to actually trying to go for the triple that year. But, um, yep. yeah, we um, 
we had Donny Martin Ossie come into the first grade team that year. And he'd come from the junior ranks? He had. I remember he um, probably a year earlier, um, he was probably under 17 at the time, Phil Carr had sort of spotted him and yep. brought him up to actually start training in the first grade squad uh, towards the end of, I think it was the 88 year. So. Um, and your uh, memories of, of Donny when you first saw him come train and, and play those first couple of games? Uh, obviously very talented, very quick. Um, yep. he, could, he could score goals and uh, he, he was quite a you know just another example of uh, a guy a young bloke you've been through who then went on to be you know the experienced player later in his career and yep. uh, he was quite a victory for quite a while and um, I remember Donny was probably you know being Macedonian had an expectation he might be attracted to some of the other Macedonian clubs but he, yep. he, he stuck by Figgy um, and he was a great player and um, as you mentioned Darren had a great year that, that year and um, he, he was just a wonderful talent and um, you know, Darren was a guy he knew what his strengths were and, and um, you know some, it was the play plays through feet he was, he, was, he was surprisingly quick Darren I think he was, yeah. a, he was a sprint champion as a young fella uh, but he wasn't one of those centre forwards you want to put the ball over the top and have him run onto it yep. you want to put it to his feet because um, you know, I, I remember games where he'd, he'd be on the f- five yard line on the byline with say three defenders in front of him and he'd just be sending them one way or the other and it just snuck the ball in past the goalkeeper and, you know, what he could do was sit there and just shake your head and say, <laughs> God, I, I'm glad I'm not marking him. And he was a real talent. And, again, um, you play against Bulai and, and obviously um, you had some more tussles with them. So, uh, you know, there's obviously periods of um, sport is cyclical and there's times where clubs are up and clubs are down and, and Bulai were one of those teams in those couple of years so um, I guess you do uh, begin to have rivalries and you know you're talking about home and away and then semis and then a grand final you know you could have been in those two years played six seven maybe eight games against each other correct yes um, so always very competitive and always been a very strong, strong club Bulai and um, you know has often they, um, but we just had the had the Woodman in the grand finals and um, yep. but the rest of the year they uh, they're the ones who beat us, so it was very, very competitive. Um, you know, we had the likes of I think Earl and Dale Canvin, Canvin joined us that year, and Ronnie Glass. So again, you know, yep. some some new guys come into the squad, and um, yeah, they 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 won the championship I think that year, and um, but uh, we ended up beating them I think one 0 in the grand final. That was probably one of the closer grand finals we had. I remember that was sort of destined for extra time that one. Yep. And, and um, it was at a Memorial Park again? Memorial Park again. And I, I remember one of the uh, central defenders came across to clear the ball. And I managed to get my sort of head to it and just yep. put it in front of Donnie. Yep. Uh, Donnie Martinoski and just said, mate, get there. <laughs> and he was young and quick and he got there drawing across the other central defender. And he just pushed across in the middle and there was an easy about, I don't know, on the 18-yard box. And he just slotted it in the corner. And um, that was all we needed. And uh, celebrations ensued... Uh Post game, yes, yes. So uh, uh, yeah, another 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 great year. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess we're coming up for you. Um, you know, um, I guess you might have had the the double thought that um, you do a lot of work with your committee and and other volunteers. Um, you're getting success on the field. You're promoting um, juniors into the senior team, and then as a player as well, you're having the success. Um, you know, from a footballing perspective, you. You must have been very satisfied. We were, but um, we were very satisfied. But something that year, we um, at the end of the '88 Grand Final, um, we, there was a sort of a bit of a tragedy after the game down at Victoria right. Hotel, and Paul Cole um, actually come a quadriplegic as a result of that. And um, 
uh, that following year in 89 we did a lot of um, fundraising for Paul um, and Paul was a great footballer for us played yep. again from that at late 70s time uh, he's a guy with a big heart and he, he needed all that heart he had to um, just to survive that accident and um, uh, I believe he's still going well but we raised over $100,000 for him which is year. a large sum of money back mm. back in the late 80s so um, that 89 season post that incident um, was there I guess I don't want to get into it too much um, but did the did the behaviour at the club change slightly was there a, something s- sort of a miss there at the club because of what had happened or or, or was everyone's energies focused on him and and raising money so um regardless of what had happened that was tragic that that all the positivity that everyone at the club and, and including his family and friends I'm assuming were just focused in on him no it was very much a focus on Paul and yep. um and um, I guess supporting him and his family and, and getting him the right accommodation and um and uh you know getting an automobile that would you know meet his needs and um, you know, he would come down to the ground and um, yep. the boys would spend some time with him and um, you know, he, was, he was there for those few years so um, it, was, it was a rallying time for us um, despite you know just, just what a sad, sad sad thing it was you know? and um, you know, I think Paul's cared now for by his mum and dad yep. and I, I caught up with his father you know, a couple of weeks down down the shopping centre and um, he seems to be doing well and um, just thankfully have his you know Geez, you can't replace a mother and father's dedication, can you? It's just, um, no, it's the, just, just priceless. The so. carers in uh, Australia uh, do so much, and, and you know we should be uh, giving them more. But yeah. um, sometimes, uh, when we talk politics, which we won't on this, um, people like that don't get supported enough. Yeah, that's right. So um, that '89 season again successful, and then um, you know, like you said, you've got clubs like Bulleye and Croatia who who uh, were very uh, very good and and up there. Um, in 1990, though, um, this sort of success continued. Um, league champions um, in first and reserve grade um, with Phil Carr still still the coach and and Bruno, as you spoke about before, um, now coaching reserve grade and and grand final winners doing the double in in first grade. So and again, Darren Neese um, taking the top goal scoring award. So. Um, I don't think um, people ever think uh, sort of Bill Murray Groundhog Day, um, you know, uh, and think, oh, we've won it again. It, it must be just a huge, huge feeling. And like you said, it had been built up from the 70s that we're here come September and Fig Tree just finds something. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with that year, I think, in, in my, my view, it's probably our most dominant year. We probably have the strongest yep. squad, squad that um, I, I would sort of recall. And... Um, it, it helped by the fact that I think Freddie Meadow folded that previous year, yep. uh, and we had uh, Larry Barringer come back from Freddie Meadow, and um, and who else did we have? Um, oh, sorry, uh, and uh, we had Mark Troff. Mark Troff joined us from Bulleye, and yep. uh, Craig Thompson came up from um, the youth team. Okay. Um, so um, look, that was a that was a very strong squad, and. Um, you had certainly Donny Martinoski and Darren Nees up front, and you know, they just different kind of strengths. They were fantastic, just a potent they were mix. dynamic, yeah. And um, obviously Phil Phil Brown feeding them with um, with balls and support. And, it was, um, and you're and still in midfield at this stage. Oh, yes, still in midfield at this stage. Yes. Yep. Um, 
But um, yeah, no, that was a, that was a strong year. I think we played uh, Fern Hill in the final that year. And and for you, um, I'm probably um, what I'm hearing from you more is the club. Uh, I guess uh, wanted to be there in September, but um, surely there was uh, a lot of there was a lot of satisfaction and and I guess uh, delight in winning winning the league as well. There was, especially that year. I think we won it by six points. And um, sorry, Jamie Dummett was the other one who came from yep. Fremantle. And Jamie is a fantastic was a fantastic midfielder, very very strong on the ball, very skillful. Yeah, low uh, center of gravity, but very much so. Yes, this is uh, and you always see players like that. And, um, yeah. Didn't have a bad mullet. No, that's right. At that point, either that's right. a couple of the it was very much a haircut of the era. Yeah, that's right. And look, we we played. Yeah, sorry, it's um, a question. We played uh, Fernhill on the grand final location with North Flanagan. So yeah. Look, my obviously had success at Bulli before and wasn't you know, unknown to us. So, uh, and they had a strong co- squad. You know, they had um, Gary Crooks and Ronnie Vanderwood up front, and um, Rod Hill in the midfield, and of course Craig Armour in goal. So, um, you know, a lot of the guys were well known to us. And um, Rod actually ended up playing. Uh, I found a very strong opponent, and quite glad when he joined us. The sort of uh, I think it was the following year, but um, they were a good side, uh, Fernhill, and always were very good up front. Um, and and in terms of uh, that grand final, where was it played at? Again, Memorial Park. Yep. And uh, I think it was Stephen Hull and Donnie Martinowski got the goals that day and we um, won 2-0. And, uh, and um, if you remember, because you were there for successive grand finals, were you um, always given uh, the Coromel home team? Sheds, or, or was it, or did it? Did they mix it up the ISA? Yeah. Or well, question? I think they might have mixed it up. I think it maybe depended on who who got through the grand final first. first. Okay, yeah. but obviously yeah, Memorial Park. Um, it became a bit of a de, de facto uh, home ground, apart from Harry Graham. Yeah, that's right. And and that year, um, I guess there was a picture for me. Um, uh, and and coaches always have health, healthy respect, but um, from the coaches that I've known and whatnot. You know, they always um, like to think the way that they play is the best or how they do things. But And maybe it was the case with Phil and, and Norm, but there was a picture of them on the, the front page of the program and, and they were just smiling and, and and I guess they did have a nice relationship with each other. That's right. Look, and obviously Norm from his time and um, being at Victory earlier and I think... They, they were at South Coast South together. South Coast and I together yeah. and, and probably both of them. In three minutes, some stage. Yeah, they were too. <laughs> yep. So um, they were great mates, and and, and yep. still are. You know, uh, obviously uh, we're all great mates, I guess. And um, yeah, that, that was good. You know, it was always special to play against uh, those clubs like uh, Fernhill and Bly. You know, or very similar club to yep. ours. You know, very similar in terms of um, culture and, um, and 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 committees and and whatnot. And you know, um, there wasn't much that really separated us. And um, yourself, um, I guess. You know, that's. Um, some grand finals and some leagues there and Bampton Cups. Um, were you still as hungry as ever as a player yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that um, sort of didn't, didn't leave and That's probably one thing, I guess, the guys I played alongside always had in common. There was always this, seemed to be this this inner drive, I guess, that, yep. um, you know, um, success was almost an expectation. and Because um, there was a sustained period of, um, you know... Um, you know, I can, uh, apart from that little asterisk of the 91 grand final, which yep. is probably only the glimmer of uh, hope in Balgani's yes. past history. So um, I guess 
half of us here at this uh, interviewing table would be happy about 91. But still, it was a sustained um, amount of success and and just consistent. So, um, like you said, it must have been seven or eight guys, as well as the committee, as well as the coaches, that are just driving each other. You can maybe get away some seasons having three or four people drive a squad, um, but to do that over years, it takes seven to eight in the team at least, and then another five or six coaches and committee, and and that must have been the case. And that's what it was. It's just a a core group of players and um, the ability to attract players in the right positions that would would come in and play for the club. And um, having a strong club all around, in a reserve grade as well, putting a lot of pressure on the first-grade players. And, um, again, just having those juniors continue to come through and just be able to sort of um, uh, lead them or breed them into the game, I guess, and... um, and was it always um, because fig tree juniors have always had a lot of a lot of numbers and a lot of good good juniors? Um, was there always, um, from a committee perspective, a good relationship with the junior club in in your period? Um, or yeah. Was it, well, we some, shared, shared some, the same ground, shared the same canteen. Sometimes you have those sort of, you know, when you've got shared facilities, there's always bits and pieces. But yep. as a whole, you know, yep. things must have been okay to keep getting those juniors rather than some junior clubs. Um, you know, a ballot sometimes in the 90s, you know, some of our junior committee would go go somewhere else, guys. Um, so that didn't seem to be the case at Fig Tree. No, and I think uh, Phil, Phil Carr sort of went out of his way also just to, to, to work with the junior student to, to identify talent that might be coming through. So um, so just doing that bit extra. That's right, yeah. So, um, yeah. And so that um, 91 season, we, uh, we spoke about it in terms of... Um, League champions again. Yep. Um, uh, losing out in the in the grand final, um, won Coromel leagues as well. Yep. But um, again, um, another another great year for the club. Yeah, it was. Well, well, '91 actually was probably um, was Belgaonis year because um, they were they were the dominant side, and I think they got out to a healthy lead. Yeah, uh, and then you guys pegged them back. In the last game of the season, I think we pegged them back. They they sort of lost probably six of the last games, I guess, and yeah. we end up just. Um, we end up taking the minor premiership based on the on that last round, and um, you know, they were a great side. Coached by Eric Thompson, you know they had the likes of Matt Orsby, um, Andrew Naylor, Richard Peel, you know, and um, men in the grand final. I remember the grand final. It was um, played on a Sunday evening, I think, and um, it was a hot day, about thirty five degrees. Yep. Um, just after the, I think a Sydney Rugby League grand final being played that yep. afternoon, and. Um, be honest, I don't think we got our first gear. Or we weren't allowed to get our first gear, but we yep. just we just didn't handle that heat. And um, and of course the Balgonis, so they were young, they were quick, they'd run all day. And I think um, they end up beating us by a goal. But, um, yeah, d- hopefully it wasn't you that uh, let um, the shortest man on the pitch score ahead of Richie Richie Peel. Yeah, it could have been. Richard was a great player. I remember him and um, Larry playing together at Fremantle, and um, you know he wasn't big in stature, but Jesus big in heart. He was a great player, Richie. And um, Although uh, disappointing, again, um, it speaks volumes about a, a period in the game where a club can be so successful um, for a prolonged period. So um, maybe um, there was disappointment after that game itself, but again, winning the league. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, the grand final is a big price for us. And, and you know, it's probably a bit different these days where the, the status of the, winning the title in the league... Yep. Uh, has probably come up but um, in those days it was really the grand final was what, what you really wanted to win and, um, and we were very disappointed after that result and just promised that next year we would um, would make amends because um, 
was probably the only grand final that really didn't turn up and, to, and play. to play to our full potential. So yeah. that was more so, do you think, collectively, you guys were disappointed in yourself because it was, you know, 99 times out of 100, you played the big games and this time you were outplayed? Yeah, we were. And look, not, don't take this away cause from Bowgown because they were a great young yeah. side. I mean, Medlock's obviously Matty Horsley, who just run all day, and um, we, we just didn't, they were too good for us on the day, basically. And, and what about. Um, that game in particular, um, you know, you pretty much had two teams, and I know Bowgani because you know I'm I'm part of the club and, and know its history. But um, even the fig tree team, is both had um, weren't paying that much money no. compared to other clubs, and there was a lot of juniors. So um, it was definitely one of those grand finals where you go, wow, um, it's very unusual. Usually, one money club and. And again, I um, put it out here on the podcast to the 30, 60 people listening that I've got no jealousy towards uh, clubs with money. It's um, It just seems more satisfying when there's um, a lot more juniors, a mix of juniors coming through. If you work hard to get the sponsorship money and you spend it in that regard and win, I guess just as good. But it's still, it was two teams that had a healthy amount of uh, local juniors in their ranks. That's right, it's predominantly local juniors and um, you know, we get a lot of respect for Balgani and they do tend to bring their juniors through and um, and uh, certainly as treasurer it, um, it sort of uh, it helped the club um, by having those juniors To balance there. their books. Yeah. So 92 years, years did make amends and um, this time the um, um, again Phil Carr's um, coaching and and did you just win the league, or it was equal first? But yeah, we got beaten on goal difference, I think. Okay. Uh, and, and look, Coniston were a really, really great side. They had great, great attack. They, they had uh, Dean Lynn, Gardner, Dean Gardner, uh, Graham Fletcher up front, Ruddy, Ruddy Stefanowski, um, Paul Giraldi. Uh, so great attack. Some, some great names there. On, yeah. And Harry Sutton was he playing Harry Sutton coaching? Was the coach, yeah. And was he playing as well? Uh, I think he might have played a few games. I'm mm-hmm. sure he was playing all of them. But I think uh, he was probably the coach. And uh, we had. Sean Billington uh, had gone overseas. Sean and Tony Donnelly actually went over the UK, I think, then. And we had uh, Paul Jones and Rod Hill come so into the setup. Paul's uh, another great goalkeeper that's yeah. has been at different clubs. And, yeah, and he had I think a great he's year. now in a pinball aficionado. Okay, yeah, you know, he had a great year and uh, a lot of time for Paul. And um, and a young, young Sasha Domoski actually um, was part of the setup that year as well. And I think he actually went away on Oliru's duties or yep. something. But, um, so was he a, a fig tree junior, or, uh, no, or where he did he come from? Uh, good question. I'm not sure where he came from. He's um, no, I couldn't tell you. But he's, he was quite a talented at that young age. But again, uh, he could have played elsewhere, but came to a club for lesser money. That's right. And the ability to yeah. play in the big games. That's right. Give the experience, and um, he did well. He certainly held his own as a great, great centre forward, and no wonder he went on to 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 have great success. And and in terms of. Um, you and Coniston Macedonia um, that year with the the two teams and finished equal first and then met each other in the in the grand final. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, to be honest, we we probably struggled against them that year. I mean, that they, they were a great side. Just the combat, yep. the, the speed. Yep. Uh, they had up front, and um, this was probably another. Um, we played the grand final that year. It's the first time it was away from Memorial Park. Okay. We actually played at Bulleye's home ground. Yep. And um, and Bulleye Olympia actually hosted that day out at Bulleye and they did a great job hosting the grand final and um, and I remember playing out there and um, <laughs> we just switched on that day there was just something about it and yep. uh, we just knew from when we were out the side and, and Bulleye had such a beautiful surface that um, yep. we were just enjoying it, it was a, you know, the, the ball would run true for you and um, 
And that day, I think um, Curry was uncertain as to whether Darren was able to start. And yeah. He did end up you know, playing Darren, and the, and, and the conditions were I think he was him. potentially going to play Bobby Phillips. That's right, and Bobby is a great young talent. He'd come through and had played a few games that year. Uh, but of course, he played uh, Darren, that suited him. Uh, and obviously, got a hat trick in the match that, that day. And I think early goals as well. Yes, that's right. And we're actually 2 0 up at half time and um, ended up winning 4 1, I think it was. And. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, we will. Um, the other big change, I think, because I said that it was the pace that of Coniston that worried us. He he put um, it was, um, Mark Troff yep. um, onto Rady Stefanowski and uh, Jeff Wright onto um, Graham Fletcher okay. to match the pace together, and that allowed me to push a bit more into midfield. And um, yeah, I think the performance of um, Wrighty and um, Mark Troff on that day really really helped us out as well. Uh, so, do you think? Um uh, that's one of uh, Phil's positive as a coach is that he's courageous enough to to make uh, big changes in big games. Yes, no, he is, and um, obviously he's obviously thought it out. Yep, um, and it's you know it doesn't always come off, but for him it seems to have come off more often than not. Correct. Yes, and um, that was obviously one of his strengths, and um, you know it's, um, you had to respect him for that. And um, I was in the other end of that in the 1980s, but you have to res- yeah. respect that. And. And I guess, um, you know, for you guys, uh, it's just it just becomes the norm. Um, not that you don't um, respect it, but it it just, yeah, I, st- I still can't believe it. Like I said, I started reading the Fig Tree Fold. I'd seen the ISA handbooks and, and saw how much, but when you collectively read it all at once, you know, from, you know, 1970 to, to now we're up to 92, there was... It's you said the statistic before about how many grand finals that one of the three grades were in. It's just a phenomenal effort over you know a couple of decades. Yeah, and, and certainly that was the end of that run. I mean, that was our fifth fifth grand final in a row. Yep. Obviously, winning four and uh, probably the most enjoyable for me because um, um, you know we were two 0 up at half time. We had a four 0 lead, and it's not often you have four a four 0 lead game in the last ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, you can really enjoy it. You can. Yeah, and, uh, and that, that was a great day, and we. I actually captained the side that year, and that was yep. particularly pleasing for me to be able to lift the trophy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and did you ever um, sort of contemplate that sort of cycle of uh, joining the junior club in '69, and then sort of '92 after you know uh, 13 odd years of service and 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 quality service that you're then captaining a club and obviously helping enormously on the committee side as well that you get to lift the trophy. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was very satisfying. It was, it, was, it was great to do, you know, playing with the mates, you know, and it, was, yep. it made a big difference. Yeah. Um, your career at that point, um, what what age were you roughly at that point when you... Um, well, I played again, I think it was uh, the following year, 93. Yep. Um, I would have been 32 then, and that was that was going to be my final season. Okay. Um, I got injured um, oh, probably about halfway through the season. I missed about six games. Yep. And when I came back, I actually came back through reserve grade. They had about six games to go, and um, um, and they had to win six games to make it through the semis. And we did win those six games. Yep. And um, on the final final day, I think um, first grade had to beat. Well, I think it was in the final game to to they could have finished second. And we ended up losing that day, and we finished fifth, which meant. I had played more first grade games that, that year than uh, reserve okay. grade games, so that was... That so was, both teams that, that made it, you would have been fine. Yeah, 
So um, and that was it. Obviously, I was still involved in the committee for a few more years, and um, but um, finished up in '95 when we had a 25th anniversary, and um, with Rob Noakes and I put together just sort of a bit of a history of the club. And so you definitely finished in '93 as a player. Yes, definitely. And finished. was that just a uh knowing that your body had come to the end or uh, from a, your personal life or vocationally uh, things were ramping up and so you thought, okay, it's time to give it up? Yeah, it was a combination of things. I guess um, my son had just been born and yep. I obviously wanted to spend more time with him and, um, you know, that um, I was doing an MBA at Long University and, you know, there's quite more time to do study. So, um, and look, there's young players come through and you just feel it's time to let them come through because that's always been, I guess, the centre of the success of victories. You... Yep. You let these younger players come through. So I thought I thought it was time. And um, when you look back now, um, there must be uh, obviously some fond memories because of the success. But um, as I've mentioned probably 20 minutes ago, um, you must be proud of, you know, even before we started recording here today, you spoke of last week or the week before, you and, you know, 20, 30 other guys turning up at Fig Tree Hotel and... And um, you know, having a few brown cordials and together, there still must be a sort of fellowship, a sort of uh, camaraderie there that you can um, still meet up and and just be together after all these years. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because you know, one on one you catch up with other different times, but yep. um, that was the first time probably in thirty years we actually all caught up. Yep. And um, you know, it's funny. It's almost like yesterday. You just pick off where you left off, and uh, you know, good old time. And look, we've decided to catch up every year now because um, yep. obviously we're getting all older. And um, I think eighth of February two thousand twenty, yeah, uh, we'll be catching up again. And well, I guess you could pick nearly any year and sort of um, calculate it back to a winning grand final or a league that's championship. That's right. So, really. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to celebrate. So um, yeah, it's it great to catch up with the boys and um, yeah, look forward to doing it again. And what about yourself on the committee? You, you then continued on in ninety four, ninety five. Can you talk a bit about, um, you know, you talked about Harry Graham being its Achilles heel. Um, maybe you don't know all the information, but can you sort of fill in the blanks a little bit about um, when uh, Senior Soccer ended there and, and, and what about the merger and, and what sort of came about? Yeah, well, it's, um, it was um, obviously the merger with Unidura to form sort of Western Suburbs, but uh, it would have been driven by the ground, I guess, um, not being able to play we needed a ground um, we actually um, identified that back in the 80s when I was on the committee and we um, actually approached Wollongong uh, Council uh, yep. with West and the local sporting bodies and uh, the plan we had at that stage was to um, was for the football who were playing at Victory Oval yep. to move across to where Unidura Park was there Unidura yep. Oval to develop that as part of a multi-purpose facility okay. and um, have the cricket dedicated to Victory Oval and, okay. um, the first part of that came off yeah, uh, and the, the cricket was played just purely there at Victory Oval, the AFL, and um, but uh, we we just couldn't get the planning permission right for uh, Unidura Oval. Okay. So, um, so later we came to do it. Look, Unidura is a good ground, but um, again, it's um, you know it's just for development. Um, it just wasn't right for Premier League, really. Um, and and that's what we needed to really be right known right was uh, our own ground. Uh, that's up the Premier League standard, and. Um, you know, it was a shame. Obviously, life starts over would have been fantastic to keep yeah, uh, the football family. And um, I don't think all this hope is lost there because I, I just saw recently that uh, Fig Tree Junior Soccer Club has announced um, 
um, some kind of partnership with collegians. Okay. Now I'm hoping a part of that would be um, use of that facility. An evolution. And uh, look, you never know. One day, maybe um, maybe they'll ref- be able to reform the senior club again. So when did the uh, as a single entity? When did Fig Tree cease to exist? Then. Uh, good question, because I wasn't at the club, but I'd say it would have been a good question, late '90s, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so you were in '95 when you're in your final year. They were still, you know. Fig Tree or West Fig Tree. That's right. Yep. And it hadn't gone to West Era at that no, point. No, no, that point. And then I think it went to West Leagues and Correct. and then just West. Yeah. And then back to Unendera last year. Yep. So um, when it did happen, um, was there a bit of sadness on on in your mind? Oh, there was a, a bit of sadness, but we also had a healthy respect for the guys down at Unendera. You know, well run committee. Yep. Again, a very strong junior body. Um, and the guys who knew quite well, and look, they had some early success. Yep. Um, but again, it's sometimes just being able to match on these bigger spending clubs is, is, is difficult. Yeah. And yourself, um, you're lucky enough to get out of the committee game. Yes, um, that's always t- always tough. <laughs> as I know, um, do you still uh, miss that aspect of it in some respects? Uh, I do. I probably miss playing more, but um, yep. Yeah, I, I sort of. Um, I'm not a good spectator because you know you like to be out there playing, um, yep. and um, so uh, yeah. Look, I, look I, I, I miss it a bit, but um, I was able to join back in football in a way, I guess. So, um, yeah, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, but um, so you're on the. Um, uh, you listed it here. You're on the. Uh, well, firstly and foremostly in '84 to '88, you were a ISA honorary auditor. Um, yes, yeah, so I was back in the days of um, when Bert, Bert Bampton, Bampton. Yeah. Bert Bampton so, was um, treasurer. He kept very meticulous records, so it was a very easy job. And um, and what were what what's the because um, he's an important figure um, in the region. Obviously, he has a, a cup named after him, but he had you know five or six decades in in various capacities um, um, helping um, the game flourish. Um, what were your memories of him? Um, oh, look, he's um, he's a quite quite fellow. Yep. Um, but very well organised and um, very well, very hard working, I think. And um, um, yeah, we had often chats about um, about the local soccer and I guess and um, obviously George Naylor was um, a, a big figure also at that time, and they formed a very good partnership, I guess. And yep. um, you know, had a lot of respect for, I guess, the way the the committee was run, and um, and certainly the Naylor family has been very well huge, huge, huge contribution the to the uh, to local football and. Um, um, unfortunately, I able to catch up with um, um, uh, with them uh, a bit later on. I guess in my role at the MRC, but um, yeah. yeah. So you're saying to 2011 to the present that you're in the uh, Football South Coast Match Review Committee. Um, what does that um, chairman role entail? Yeah, well, that um, started I guess in 2011. I think Stephen Royal might have been on uh, on the committee. He was looking to um, uh, to leave, and um, Rex Layton gave me a call. Uh, yep. um, Rex was um, obviously um, now just to be commissioner there um, it was wanted to see if I was interested in joining um, a lot of respect for Rex as a referee yeah um, and I were fortunate in the time I guess um, the referees we actually had from that that era um, you know, the likes of Rex um, Mario Mastiani uh, John Callan uh, Robert Robinson um, in the early days I guess we had um, lots of Phil Torpy um, yep. And look, there's quite a few. So um, yeah, I was happy that was fitted in well with the, the time I was able to give, and I'm always yep. happy to give something back to the game. And so that's, in a sense, a judiciary role, is it? That's right, the judiciary Where, role. Where uh, 
whatever uh, misdemeanours players or committee uh, um, do in terms of on the ground or a game day, um, you guys then review, or the men and women then review on the committee. Correct, that's right, and then award suspensions. And um, now um, also, Steve, there at the moment with um, uh, um, uh, Paul Bazzetti yep. uh, and Dave Owen. And um, Dave's obviously a ex um, player and referee. referee and a yep. lot of respect for obviously Dave as well. Uh, he had a very good um, rapport with players. And, um, and yeah, we consider match, match officials' reports. Uh, you know, develop a healthy respect for, for the match officials and what they yep. have to go through. Um, um, I don't understand the abuse they got because um, more, for, more so from the players' point of view because it's, um, you know, it doesn't make sense sitting out a, yes. a few weeks just, just for using you know, the obscenity. Um, no, I, I can't say that um, I've never been sent off um, and never been given a, a yellow for, uh, for swearing. Um, I have sworn on the field multiple times, but... To the extent that it goes on, um, it is disappointing. I know at our club we try and work very hard. It doesn't always work. Sometimes even our committee don't always uh, abide by uh, the laws of the game or the respect that they should have. But uh, I think um, doing um, the line or being in the centre for youth grade or reserve grade um, at least 30 times in the last five years because of the lack of referees, um, I think uh, we all need to have a good look at ourselves and the way we treat um, the people in the middle and on the lines because uh, without them we don't have a game and it's very precarious at times in the last few years. Yeah, and, um, it is. And uh, look, you know, without referees you, you don't get the play. And um, um, so, so certainly that, that was sort of... Um, is disappointing when you see those th- those things happen. Yeah. Um, because there's look, just, just no need. It's, it's just senseless. And um, um, But one thing you, I do know, soccer's obviously changed over the years and um, what I thought... You know what? What would be a good challenge or a good tackle in my day? Yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't anymore. So I, you know, I have some some sympathy for some suspensions sometimes. Yep. But uh, it's a different game now. Yeah, and def- the laws have changed. Yeah, and defenders just have to hold the ground a bit more. You know. Yeah, they Not can't do what they used to. That's right. And um, so look, it's it's. I enjoy that role. Um, yep. And um, I enjoy working with uh, Football South Coast. Um, you know, they've good organisation there now. Um, a good setup and um, working with folks with Dave Nalan, Bob Bob Maseski. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's been a pleasure. So, um, two good two good guys in terms of the refereeing ranks and and their service to football. Yeah. So, uh, when we uh, finalise this interview, um, is there anything um, else that you wanted to say or or other sort of people you want to run through or and talk about and and sort of. Um, the sort of sticking sticks in your memory. Um, look, no, looking looking back in respect, obviously it's um it's, it's been a, a fantastic I guess time in my life and um, I guess one I, one I've uh, taken a lot from and um, you know, the friendships I guess you form over that yep. that, that time stay with stay, stay with you for life and um, I always enjoy getting together with um, the guys and people I've actually played against and um, especially you know that one of the first pitches you sent me was. You know, you've you've got uh, Burley and um, and Brown um, playing with you since 1969. So um, you know, to see people grow up together and to play together, and you've spent a lot of your lives together, it, it must be amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, and um, always good to catch up. Um, as I said, it's like uh, it was yesterday. Yeah, you spent time with them. And um, look, I thank you for your for your role you're playing, and just 
archiving, I guess, the history of football in this region. Yeah, we'll so, try and get it out there and, and pay the healthy respect it deserves. So our uh, local football esteem, when uh, we do get a women's uh, um, W League team and a, a men's A League team back up, we can definitely, uh, we've got a lot of uh, sort of hooks to hold our uh, footballing hats on, that's for sure. Yeah, but, um, I certainly I know it's, uh, it's been good just going over the, the memories here and just refreshing myself. And um, But I always know if I want to ask someone about what happened in, 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 I guess in, in history in past games, is Phil Brown's always the guy to speak. Yeah, I, no, I've been told that, so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping with your help and, and Phil, Phil Carr's help, uh, Phil uh, won't, won't allow me to interview him just yet. Yeah. I'll keep working on him, but... Um, <laughs> He said uh, Phil's got an extremely, um, extremely uh, sharp memory in yes, terms yes. of game facts, um, who he played against, when he scored, and teammates and the like. So yeah. that'd be something brilliant to uh, to record. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing the boys again on uh, February eight next year. And uh, actually, would love to see any guys who actually played in the area get down the figgy pub on that on that day. Definitely, definitely encourage them all to get down there. And um, Ian, thank you very much for the information you've given. Um, healthy respect for allowing me into your home, which is um, always brilliant. And in terms of your time, um, I know it's it's always difficult in these busier times. So thanks, Ian. Greatly Cheers. appreciate it. Thanks, service. And there we have it. Episode 13 finished. I'd like to thank Ian for his time and leading me into his home. It's greatly appreciated. I'll be back next time with episode 14. Thank you again for your support. It is greatly appreciated. I'm your host, Travis. Bye for now. (laughs) 